Welcome to What's the Story, Pekin, a podcast where we share stories about what's happening in Pekin as told by their authors. These are the people who are at the center of many local events. They are in the know and here to share their story, their role in it, and the possibilities of things to come. I'm Gary Gillis, your host, and welcome to today's show. Well, today's guest is Dr. Danielle Owens, superintendent of District 303, better known as Beaton Community High School. Uh, Danielle and I will let the audience know that I will speak to you informally and call you Danielle because we've known each other for a long time. So welcome. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Appreciate you being here. Uh, You know, the title of this podcast is What's the Story, Pekin? So, uh, and, and I know every year now you've started telling the story of what's happening at Pekin High by virtue of your state of the district. Uh, I, I commend you on that. I think it's a, a helpful tool. And to start, maybe you can share for our listeners uh, kind of a shortened version of that. Sure. Um, so the idea several years ago, actually I stole from another superintendent, um, was a way to better promote the district and the community um, to have to open the doors, to have people come in, um, to have sessions about what's being offered at the school, new programs, whether it's mm-hmm. new construction going to take place, um, just to better inform uh, taxpayers and parents and um, alumni what's really going on inside the school. I think we have a lot of people in our community who haven't been at Pekin High since they went to Pekin High. <laughs> and so I think everybody has a pretty good picture of what they think schools are based on the fact that they went to school or they went to a specific school, but just trying to get uh, a better connection, I think, with our community and and really promoting um, our school because I think it's something to truly be proud of in this community. Um, but, but I think we have to open the doors to do that and have people inside to really see and hear what's going on to do that. So that, that was the idea behind it. Mm-hmm. Um, we were able to do it um, in two years back to back. And then, of course, COVID hit, and we haven't done it uh, for a couple years. And so the hope is to bring that back um, here in the next year or two um, to really, you know, bring back that um, activity as well as offer different opportunities for tours, things like that. Are there core themes that those in attendance seem to, to bring up or are most curious about? I after the first year, so we tried to pick, you know, sessions we thought would be interesting. And the feedback we got, um, I think people enjoyed what they heard. But honestly, what people really appreciate more than anything is hearing directly from students. I think there's a connection there that they they really take interest in hearing from students about what students are doing. And so even that second year, we tried to do that more instead of having teachers or administrators talk. We tried to do a combination of here's some teachers that are in charge of this program, but really giving the platform to the kids, um, which uh, that's that's inspiring to me that people want to hear from kids. Right. Um, but that's, that's been a lot of the feedback. Um, I think just understanding more of the programs that are offered. Um, I think people hear about our CTE department, our career and tech department, but I don't really think they understand how it's grown over the years and then the variety of programs that we have. So just more education on that and, and what's offered. Well, could you share uh, an example of some of those different programs? Sure. Perhaps so, those that are most popular as well. 
Yeah, I think when people think traditional CTE, they think of things like welding or manufacturing, which of course we still offer and is still um, things that are needed in the community. Um, uh, sometimes people think the old school, you know, foods, which is still a popular course, but uh, the fact that we have a foods class, but we also have culinary arts and have a restaurant that's open and mm -hmm. take and bakes that the kids do and events that they cater. Um, We've long had a child care program that we use, obviously, to for our high school students to gain um, their ECE level one and the ability to work in a daycare um, environment. But people don't realize that we have an in-house daycare for our staff because of that curriculum. So I think it's being able to showcase programs like that, you know, that we have a construction tech class, mm -hmm. but we also have a construction trades program that builds a house every year. So I think it's just being able to showcase, you know, it's, it's not just your basic, um, what people think or what, what the, the trades looked like, you know, 20 years ago, sure. it's really catered to truly kids finding a path, no matter what that is, whether it's a four year school, two year school, trade school, or the military, they'll find it, you know, somewhere at Pekin high. Mm -hmm. So, well, you'll have to tell those in charge of the trades group, the ones that build the home, uh, that today, the day that we are recording this, it I think is a high of 93 degrees. And I drive by there often. And today, in, in the time I would normally be driving by and see a bunch of kids like a beehive around the place, there was nobody there or they were done. So yeah. I was thankful they yeah. weren't because they were putting the roof on. Yes. And I thought, oh, that's the last thing you want to do. Yeah. These, these kids, there'll be delayed graduation if that, if that would happen. Those are always nervous yeah. days too because yeah. I pulled up last week and they were on the roof and I'm like, oh my yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like It's fun to see, yeah. but nerve wracking at the same yeah. time. Yeah. And you yeah. know, they're all tethered in and everything's good, but I'm well, like, Yeah, the oh week my before gosh. there was 30 mile an hour winds as <laughs> yes. well. So, yes. Yeah. Um, Speaking of speaking of that, is are there any is there any skill set that in the trades area or in the technology area because things evolve and things are changing all the time that are, are pretty much now being brought forward for consideration as something you may want to implement or foresee being implemented in the next couple or few years? Yeah, I think. Um so it's interesting, you know, I mentioned welding before. So for a long time, that was a focus because we knew we could place students right into the industry. Mm -hmm. And then there was a dry spell where no one needed welders. And so we, we still maintained our program, but in terms of placing students, it, there wasn't as high of a need. People weren't knocking on the door. And now all of a sudden, you know, that, well, there's trades needed in every trade at sure. this point. Um, but now again, we can place kids right into a, in, into a trade. So I, I would say welding is one of those ones that ebb and flow. Um, what's interesting is we have a young man we hired. He's a first year teacher with us this year and his background is ag, which mm. we have never really had an ag program. We had a horticulture program long ago. Um, but Pekin would not be some, a community I would, you know, that would, typically support an ag program. But if you're certified to teach ag, you're also certified to teach other industrial arts. So we hired him for that and said, you know, see if there's kids of interest, you know, for intro to ag and ag business. And we have 80 some kids, really? almost 100 kids that have signed up for courses wow. for next week, next year. So we're now going to have an FF, FFA program. 
at mm-hmm. Pekin High starting next year, which oh, really? we never had. That's and great. so just another opportunity because I do think there's a lot to FFA outside of, you know, raising pigs or judging cows, right? In terms of just opportunities for different professions mm-hmm. and, and things that they can do with the skill set that they have. So that would be another one. We've doubled the number of kids we've allowed in our CNA program which of okay. course is a need, especially in this area with the healthcare industry, such a big employer in central Illinois. Sure. Um, and so that's another one where I feel like we do due diligence to really try to get as many kids that we can in the program, knowing they're going to leave and, and be able to get a job anywhere they want to go and, or further schooling if they want sure. it. So when it comes to agriculture, a lot of people might may question how many kids in Pekin Right. Would be interested. But, you know, I know there are feeder schools. So could you share that list? Because I, I, I know there's quite a few. Sure. So we have um, seven feeder schools. We have, of course, our two largest are Edison and Broadmoor, which is District 108. That's our biggest feeder schools. Um, we have South Pekin. Um, we have North Pekin. We have Rankin. And then we also have students that come from St. Joseph's as well as Good Shepherd. Sure. Um, and then we have a few students that come from Parkview um, School District in Creve Core as well. So we run the gamut, oh, really. I didn't know that. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. Wow. So they come from all over. <laughs> well, you had mentioned before uh, COVID, and I know it was really a set everybody back, but there's always been concern uh, on the educational side mm-hmm. of time lost and uh, skills, perhaps, that uh, would be lost as well. What has been done or, or what are you doing to kind of catch things up for kids? Mm-hmm. I think... You know, the, of course, everybody, even before we got back into school full time, the conversation was around learning loss and how our school is going to adjust to learning loss. And, man, I think my, my opinion of that is that is what you make of it based on what you know the kids are coming to you with, right? We, we always have a subset of kids that are not prepared for the next grade level, pandemic or not. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like schools are always attuned to that and differentiating, differentiating instruction based on where kids are at. I think the biggest challenge for us really has been two years of not necessarily learning loss, but just the social emotional loss. Um, they just haven't had social interaction. They, I think some of them have forgotten to, how to behave as students in a, in a structured setting. So I really think just the setback, um, of that has really been something I think we knew was going on, but until we saw it firsthand when everybody was back, um, and we talk about soft skills a lot and, and the ability to get along with people and, how, you know, just how you maintain relationships sure. <laughs> and, um, that we've realized that that probably is something we need, I, I think, to stronger intervene with students just based on what we've seen this past year when everybody's been back in one building. So an example of that intervention, because I've talked to you a bit about you know, young people and, and data that shows high anxiety levels. Mm-hmm. Uh, my strong belief that really most kids would be benefited most by just having somebody believe in them. Mm-hmm. Uh, so are there ways you address that, especially the, the anxiety or stress issues and so, some people so young? 
Yeah. And I think it's just, it's more education on our part, right? Because a lot of us went into education because we loved school. We love being around people. Interacting with people is not, you know, it's not foreign to us. And so I think, first of all, it's education on our parts of what that looks like and what what we need to be attuned to. Um, how to intervene with students and what that looks like. Um, because teachers are in the business with of kids, right? And they want to help kids. But not all of us are equipped to help kids at the level of help they need. And so what, what can you do in your classroom? When is it time for you to seek out help for that student or, or push that student to someone else? Mm-hmm. Um, we've been lucky, too, to be able to employ a full-time social worker or counselor from Taswood now. For the from the past couple of years, uh, which which is an additional support to our counseling staff and our social workers and our school psychologists, so we have a lot of tiers of support for students, um, and really trying to make sure we're all communicating effectively as adults to best serve the students because um, it's a it's just high demand. Sure. I mean, we'll never meet the demand. I think of of everything that we're seeing, um, but then I think too then. To your point, how do we break it down and start teaching some of the skills that we assume mm-hmm. they come to high school with? Sure. And clearly they aren't. Right. Um, and, and so how do we do that? You know, but, but not talk down to students because they are high school students. They have a lot to offer. But in terms of just that social emotional level, just meeting them where they're at and, and getting them to where they need to be at, you know, to be successful. Sure. Well, you mentioned skills, and you know, right now, uh, education is the forefront of, especially mainstream media. It's, there's been a controversy that mm-hmm. surrounds curriculum and those skills, as you mentioned, that are being taught. Are, are there any? Is there anything here in Pekin that kind of applies to that, uh, you know, national dynamic of things that are somewhat controversial, or parents especially don't want to see? pushing out of the way some of the more traditional skills. Yeah. It was interesting because um, when this started to gain traction, I think was over late spring, early summer, Mm -hmm. um, and starting to see things on the news, just like everybody else of people ransacking school board meetings and Mm -hmm. issues around critical race theory. To be honest with you, I had to do education of my own to even understand what that is. And to be be honest with you, I think 10 people in a room would have 10 different definitions of what that is. It really is a higher ed, um, you know, theory and teaching, you know, that is not something that enters curriculum at the high school setting. The fact that it gained traction to me is, is crazy. Um, however, I just think in, in the world that we live in, um, especially during COVID and everything else that has happened, you know, the, the, um, the politics that have seeped into, um, I think educational settings, you know, and, and not even justly so. Um, and the, the fear that that's brought as to what students are being taught or, you know, are they being indoctrinated in any way, shape or form, uh, you know, that, that is not something on our forefront. That's never been, you know, uh, um, anything that has been part of our curriculum. Um, but just being able to have conversations and we did, we had conversations with our board. Here's, here's what we think it is. (laughs) 
here's what we know is not going on, you know, so here's at least you're equipped to go out and have conversations that, you know, we teach the basics and we have a curriculum and we do teach history, but there is not an indoctrination or, you know, I think our teachers do an amazing job being able to have critical conversations around some fairly hot topics, right? I Mm -hmm. mean, even covering an election in this day and age is not easy to do as a and a, a government teacher sure. um, and our teachers do an amazing job to do that without inserting opinions or, you know, what they think, but being able to guide t- students to have conversations right. and learn how to critically assess where they're at. So it's a challenge. There's no doubt. But. Well, you know, growing up, you know, always turn to mainstream media to get information on what's going on. And while that still exists, my observation, and this is mine and probably shared by many others, it's all become opinion pieces in many ways. Uh, I could name you certain stations or you would name and I could tell you where the political leanings are. Uh, and, and that just creates a, a difficult world to get you know, accurate information. And that's why we have this podcast in part, just to go to the source and, and people can you know, gather or make judgments uh, based upon that. But my thought and, and my... Um, I don't know, concern for teachers or empathy for them is there's still only so many hours of the day mm-hmm. that children are under your care. Mm-hmm. And to, to crowd it out with other things that may speak to the political theater that seems to surround us now and in some ways draw kids into that, I think, is, is wrong. So it's reassuring to mm-hmm. hear that you're focusing on those things, that when those kids graduate or go on to certain vocations, they have the skills they need, and their their political beliefs are, you know, can go. You know, and yeah, and I think there that. needs to be still a safe place in schools, right, where students can be taught, especially in this day and age, like you talked about. We, I think we're at a day and age because of the social media piece. There's a lot of people who can't even agree what the facts of a story are, Mm -hmm. but how do you teach, especially at a high school level, students need a safe space to be able to learn how to critically assess information and also to be able to formulate their opinions on that and state them in a safe place. And, and I think high schools do a great job of that, but it, it's just hard then to watch the dynamic outside of the walls, be very critical of that. When I know how hard our teachers work to provide that space for those kids to learn those skills and formulate those opinions, um, which I think is amazing work, but then be questioned, you know, from the outside and rightly so. I think people should question what's going on, but, um, but that's it's just been an interesting sure. turn of events in the last year. Well, I would year think or it's so. it's it's challenging because everything is so politically charged. Uh, kids may come from home or around others that uh, have taught them what to think, and your job is to teach them how to think. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I'm sure there's probably uh, those two thoughts conflict a, a little mm-hmm. bit. Um, I, I noticed on the website, uh, and, and anybody who has kids at uh, Peak and High know there's student access. And then there's uh, parent access. Could you explain that a little bit? So most of that is st- around our um, our grading system as well as that Skyward platform. So access to grades, um, access to your assignments, access to syllabi. Most of the time, the platform just looks different in terms of how you log on, but parents usually have about almost the same information Mm -hmm. as the students. And by design, right? We want parents to back us up 
you know, when there's sure. assignments missing or here's where their assignments are. So there's no, there's no mystery here. Yeah, right. Um, but it's, but it is, um, you know, as much as technology, I think sometimes is the bane of our existence. It's also it, truly at your fingertips. I mean, you have everything you need and, and, and we need to equip, I think parents with the same thing, you know, here's their grades, here's their assignments, here's all the resources, here's all the emails of anybody you would need to talk to. And, um, right at your fingertips. So, well, something I I want to give you a chance to brag on because I I was very impressed when you shared this uh, at another meeting we were both at uh, about the the number of scholarships that were recently given mm-hmm. and the amount. Uh, can mm-hmm. you share that? Mm-hmm. So we two Sundays ago, um, and this has been something we've done for about five years now. But we have a senior awards night. It used to be a night. We had to. Um, pivot during COVID and we actually hand delivered scholarships. And that was something post COVID that we really liked the personal touch. You know, we divide our administrative team into four or five small teams and we go house to house. And two Sundays ago, we uh, delivered scholarships to 80 students um, worth over $180,000. And, um, credit to our community, um, who have long supported students, um, but amazing, you know, amounts of money that, that truly can change the decision, Mm -hmm. you know, where a student is deciding to go or where they think they can afford to go. Um, so it's, it's a heartwarming day for all of us and something pretty rewarding, but. Well, I, I know in that vein, you're, you're preparing kids for college, but because of the vocational services and, and other talents you're building, what would be the ratio of the number of kids that go on to, to college and universities and, and how many go into the, the vocations? Um, that's a good question. I would still say probably up to 40, 40 to 50% of our students go on to some post-secondary. Um, okay. We're still the biggest feeder into Illinois Central College, which of course is right sure. right down the road. Um, and so we have a lot of students who go to right straight to a two year. Um, some go right to, like you said, to a trades program or a certificated program, whether it's through ICC or MTI or a CNA program. Um, and then I would say probably t- about 20, um, 20 to 25% probably go on to a four year, right directly to a four year school. Okay. Yeah. So what would be, um, would be something that people of Pekin do not know about the high school that you wish they did? Hmm. Um, I would just say, um, you know, I think one of the things we've long fought against, um, is be careful of what you just read (laughs) Mm -hmm. and be careful of a school, something like a school report card, because the, the statistics don't tell the story. And I think, um, what I, what I hope people walk away from things like state of the district or building tours is just the amazing opportunities that our school has for every student. Um, you know, I t- tell fresh incoming freshman parents this every year. This is a really big place, right? It can be overwhelming if you're coming from Parkview mm-hmm. and there's two kids coming from Parkview, right? And you're coming to a freshman class of 550. It's, it's overwhelming. The size of the campus alone is, is intimidating. But I think the value of a really big place like that is there's literally something for everybody, whether it's a club, whether it's a particular class, um, just the number of electives alone 
you know, we, I know we've talked a lot about career and tech center, but they offer over 60 to 70 different electives for students alone. Um, and you just don't find that in school, small schools or smaller communities and, and what an asset it is. It doesn't matter if you're four year college bound and you want to take all the advanced placement classes and dual credit classes you can to get college credit before you walk out the door or you want to go directly into the trades, or you want to go into the military, and you want to JROTC is the program that you know you live for. It's all there, so it truly looks like a community college inside. Um, but I just think getting people to understand truly what's inside the doors and the opportunities that provides for students. I think that's we always talk about we're the best kept secret. I'm trying to break that because I don't want it to be a secret. Right, it needs no, to be the reason, that's the best you're kept here. bragging right. point yeah. of the of the city. So, yeah. well, I think you've stolen my thunder. I was going to ask you about uh, reasons for us to be optimistic, but you've certainly shared that. Uh, and and maybe I'll, I'll I'll finish with, you know, as I was driving here, I was thinking back to high school, and I would encourage the listeners to, I think, consider this. I, you know, as I got into my career. Uh, and, and met with more success, felt personal growth. Uh, I'd think back on my high school experience, and I think like most people, you had perhaps one person or a, a second or third, a mentor or two, that really made a difference at the time when you're a teenager, you didn't really see it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then looking back, I, I realized that uh, this person's encouragement and belief in me made all the difference. And my big regret is that I never stopped and thanked him. And when I finally retired and he wasn't, you know, an older teacher, he was a fairly new and young teacher. I did some research and via the internet, I found him, but he had passed away. Mm-hmm. So that was one of my big regrets. And I would encourage anyone listening to take a moment and, and thank a teacher, any parent or grandparent that knows someone has made a difference in the life of their child mm-hmm. to do the same. Mm-hmm. So I, I thank you well, thank for you. joining us. Uh, I want to thank my producer, Mike Eaton, uh, who is sitting right here uh, doing a great technical job. Uh, the Pekin Public Library providing the recording space. We're again here in the Passport uh, room. And the listener for joining us. Uh, remember, we welcome your thoughts and comments. And you can email us at pekinpodcast at gmail.com. Thank you. <laughs>